morning, everybody. How y'all doing today? Good. Well, my name is Scott. For any of you who don't know me, might be new, maybe not been around a whole lot. I am not the pastor of Element. I'm just a brother in the Lord like you. Um, from time to time, when Gail misses, he'll, if he can't be here, he'll ask myself or Pat or Jeff or, or somebody to, to fill in. Sorry, this is bothering me. Anyways, um, so Pastor Gail was not able to be with us today, and he asked me if I'd come share the word with you, which I'm happy to do so and happy to be here. So I want to talk to you. I have got to fix this. I want to tell you first how this um, topic for today came to me. So this had to have been about two years ago, that long ago, I'm being honest with you. So I felt this conviction in my heart and this thought come into my head like the Lord wanted me to talk to you here on a Sunday about giving, about tithing as worship. And I'm like, I don't think I heard that right. You know, I'm like, so, and when I say I heard from the Lord on that, I don't mean like I heard the audible voice of God. What I mean is I, I had this, this, this thought come into my head, and there was just this burning conviction in my heart. Not, not bad, just that I felt it was from the Lord. So I didn't say anything to anybody, and I let some time to go on, go on and I forgot about it. A few months later, same thing happens again. I forget about it. Don't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my wife. A few months go by. I didn't tell anybody. So this happened three or four times a year for like two years. <laughs> and I'm not proud of it. I'm just being honest with you. I kind of blew it off because probably, to be truthful, I didn't want to do it, to be honest. So anyways, about six weeks ago, um, Gail asked me if he knew he'd be gone today. So he asked me if I'd be willing to speak today. And we were sitting right over here, actually. And the second he asked me that, immediately came back. That thought of, I want you to, I want you to talk about, the, about this topic. And uh, so my immediate response was, let me check my calendar. <laughs> Rather than telling him, sure, I'll do it, you know, I bought myself some time. And uh, so I spent some time with the Lord, and he really gave me peace. And uh, especially the last couple weeks as I've been just praying and, and getting into his word, I have, real, I have complete peace, peace about it today. So I just wanted to share that with you for a couple reasons. One, um, you know, the leadership of the church didn't give me this topic today. Not only did they not give me this topic, they didn't give me anything to say at all. You know, I told Gail, I said, yeah, I'll do it, I'll talk. And by the way, this is what I felt the Lord put on my heart. And he's like, awesome, better you than me. <laughs> no, he really didn't say that. <laughs> but he'll listen to this and that'll make him laugh. So he really didn't say that at all. Um, so some of the questions uh, we're going to attempt to answer today is, what is a tithe and or offering anyway? When did this act of worship begin? Why does God ask us to tithe today when we are under grace rather than under the law? And can I still go to heaven if I don't give? Those are the questions we're going to hope to hear from the Lord on today. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to say a quick prayer, and then I'd like to give you some of my, some of my testimony, some of my story on this. So would you bow your heads and just and agree with me in our spirits? Father, this is your house. You are who you say you are. We are who you say we are. The entire reason we're on this earth is to know you and to make you known. So I just pray today as you, as you speak, Father, that you would just destroy flesh of mine. Do not let any words come out of my mouth, Lord, that don't reflect your love because that's exactly who you are. We just ask that you speak, Father. 
and that you, through your grace you would empower us to, to leave this place today different than we leave in, including than we came in, including myself, because that's what your grace does. It transforms us into little Christ-like followers, people who follow you. So we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you some of my story. So I grew up not knowing Jesus. Um, from the time I was a teenager through probably 26, 25, I had three gods in my life. Baseball, girls, and partying. I was really, really lost. Heading down a, <coughs> excuse me, a dark path. And Jesus came into that place, excuse me, and started wrecking me in an awesome way. I had a Bible that I'd never opened in my life. And when I was 25, I started to open it. I started, what happened is I hit rock bottom. All those things I were chasing were counterfeits, and they were leaving me empty. And I'm like, there's got to be something else because this stuff is not working. And um, so I started seeking God, started praying for the first time in my life started going to some churches by myself, just sitting in the back wanting to hear. I'm like, dude, if you're real, you got you to gotta let me know because I didn't even know if God was real. And uh, he just started moving in a powerful way. And I can remember in those early days of me kind of feeling like I was alone in my walk, but I wasn't. He was with me. I can remember, like, the opportunity for tithing. And I remember, like, wanting to in my heart, like, I really wanted to give. Because the Lord, like, was changing me. I had different eyes. My friends didn't even, recognize, didn't even recognize me. Like, who is this guy? You know, they were the ones I was out having fun with, living for myself. And he was seriously changing me. I was coming into the house of God and, and actually developing a, real, a relationship with the God who created me. And I wanted to, in my heart, I wanted to do something. And in my, in my immaturity at the time, I even thought, like, gosh, I want to at least help pay the electric bill or something. You know, that's what, that was my heart's cry, and, uh, which is not what tithing is. But that was my understanding at the time, and uh, the Lord honored that. He loved, I mean, he loved seeing this little child, Scott, growing into the man he, was, he really created me to be. So I have that memory. I also have a uh, memory. Um, well, let me tell you this, too. When, I, when the Lord was changing me, he was also changing a woman about my same age. I didn't know her. He, God was pulling her out of a, a lost life as well. This happens to be my wife. And then he had our, our paths cross after we were both saved for a few months. So the Lord went really fast with us. We were um, I think dating within a few months, engaged with sick within six months, and married within a year. And um, I remember us attending church together. I think we were just still dating. And this memory, I still remember it so vividly. There was a gentleman sitting in front of me who when the opportunity to tithe came, he pulled this, this check out of his pocket that was folded and written, and he put it in the plate, and he said, everything I have is yours, Jesus. And it didn't condemn me at all. It, like, the Lord really spoke to me. It's like, I'm like, my goodness, man, this guy planned for this. Like, this is really worship for him. You know, and it just really challenged me to think about what the Lord might want to do through me. And I don't think anybody else heard that guy, honestly. I think, honestly, the Lord intended for me to hear it because he wanted that testimony to speak to my heart. Um, but I just remember that. It really, really challenged me about, about um, making that a priority. And I started praying to God about it. And then Deanna and I, there were two older uh, couples who were mentoring us and who were, like, meeting with us on a regular basis. We'd go to their house. They were old enough to be our parents, but 
Not really. Um, they had children of their own that weren't quite our age, but they were just ministering to us in a powerful way. We were new believers who were hungry. And, um, which, by the way, <laughs> that's the new believers class. This is a side note, but I'll just mention this. You know, I think a lot of times we come to the church leadership and we're like, hey, I got somebody here. They're a new believer. Where's, um, where can I hook them up with the new believers class or whatever? And it's like we expect the leadership to come and provide something. And what the leadership should say to us, to you and me, is the new believers class is in your living room <laughs> and my living room, right? That's us being the church. Anyways, this, these, uh, these couples were just, the Lord was using them in a powerful way to minister to us, and the, God was teaching us about a lot of stuff, <coughs> excuse me, including, including tithing as worship. And I remember when we... Uh, you know, we got married, we put our budget together, and I remember, you know, looking at it for the first time, that 10%, which is what the Bible tells us the tithe is, it's 10% of your income, and my jaw, like, dropped. I'm like, what? Are you serious? Deanna had more faith than I did in that moment. Um, but we looked at it, and we were, young, we were a young couple, and we said, you know what? God brought us together. This, he gave us this house. He gave us our cars. He gave us our jobs. He gave us every skill set we have to go anywhere and get a paycheck anyway. So even though the numbers aren't working out, which they didn't, we're just stepping. We step, and we did. And I will tell you, you know, we've been able to, through the grace of God, been faithful in that over the years, and he has never, ever, 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 ever let us down, ever. And I don't say that to glorify us at all. I say that to glorify him. He is a provider. That's who he is. And I also say this just to, um, just to encourage you, wherever you're at on this, on this journey of, of giving God um, control over your resources in your life, that um, we all start somewhere with him. So I, I don't say that to, to elevate me, because trust me, I'm not. As a matter of fact, Deanna and I just realized recently, we got a lot of growing to do in this area. And I can tell you one way we've really dropped the ball is I've done a horrible job teaching my kids. <laughs> How to worship through tithing. Horrible job. But uh, the, Lord's, the Lord's given us grace to kind of correct that at this phase of the game. All right, so just wanted to share a little bit about where I came from. I am going to fly through 10 passages from the Old Testament. I'm just not even going to read them. There's just going to be um, just a few words to describe it. So go ahead, please, Jim. All right, so the first tithe we see in Genesis, that was Abraham giving a tenth of everything he had to the high priest Melchizedek. You see Jacob offering a tithe in Genesis 28. Leviticus 27, the tithe is introduced as the law. Go ahead, Jim. Tithe established for the Levites, which was the, the tribe of Judah that were, were the teachers and the priests. Then you see the Levites tithe, Numbers 18. Deuteronomy, we learn about tithes and offerings. The offerings are actually above and beyond. Tithing for festivals in Deuteronomy 14. Tithing, tithing for orphans, widows, and sojourners in Deuteronomy. Bringing in the tithe, Second Chronicles, which that fascinates me because back then they didn't live in currency like we did. I mean, they're bringing in livestock and bushels of grain, and that just whole idea fascinates me. And then Nehemiah reestablishes the tithe, and then in Amos, Lord requiring more than a tithe. So those are all Old Testament passages, all before the blood of Jesus, all before he died and, ro and rose from the dead, right? And I don't fly through those because they're not important. They're very important. Actually, I encourage you to read them <laughs> and pray about them. And I'll say this before I forget as well. All these passages, 
I did put together a list of scriptures. If the Lord's tugging on your heart today, and you want to spend some time praying and, and, and having him minister to you on that, I did leave some copies at the connection desk, if that's something you're, you're interested in. If he's tugging at your heart, certainly do that. Um, but I didn't fly through these because they're not important. I flew through them because I think everybody who's been a believer for any amount of time or spent any amount of time in the Bible, we understand that the Old Testament was very clear. It was actually the law, giving 10% of your income. But where it's like, okay, so where does that fall under grace? Where, what, what, what does Jesus say about this? So let's read in Matthew 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They were trying to trap Jesus, right? They sent out their disciples. These are the Pharisees' disciples, not Jesus's. They sent out their disciples to him, which is Jesus, along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They were trying to butter him up. And you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, which is true. Jesus has no fear of man, right? Then he said to them, or I'm sorry, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, uh, but Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites. I love how blunt he is. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is on this? And whose inscriptions? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar, and give back to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they went, so they left. <laughs> Tail between their legs, probably, because he's so wise, right? Jesus has a reply for everything, because he's God. Um, so a couple things stand out to me. One, here, Jesus, not the Old Testament before Jesus, Jesus, one, legitimized taxes, <laughs> And I'm one who can be guilty of complaining about that at time. Maybe that's a topic for another day. Two, he legitimized the tithe. He did. He was talking to Pharisees who understood it full well. They were giving 10% of their income back to God. So he was talking to people who fully understand this, and he said, give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. So we could say, well, yeah, he was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to people who were under the law, the people who had to sacrifice an animal and actually have the shedding of blood to be made right with God. What does that have to do with me? Jesus was the final sacrifice. His, his blood canceled the law, so why? I, we don't have to tithe. We're not under the law anymore, right? People will make that argument, that we're not under the law, we're under grace. And I would say a couple things about that. Um, one, the first person, the first record we have of tithing in the Bible wasn't even the law. It wasn't Moses. It was Abraham. It was before the law. He gave a tenth of everything he had to the Lord. So that was before God even gave Moses the law. Um, I would also say, well, I shouldn't say I would also say. That makes it sound like I'm trying to prove something. I'm not. These are things the Lord's spoken to me. Um... Jesus didn't lower the bar. He raised it. Right? You know, the law said, do not murder. I don't know about you, but I've never been tempted. Not even once. Not even once have I been tempted to murder anybody. But Jesus said, if you call a brother a name, you've committed murder in your heart. He said the same thing about adultery and lust of the mind and things like that. Jesus didn't lower the bar. He raised it. Grace, 
grace isn't necessarily easier than the law. You see, I've heard it said that the law requires, but grace enables. It doesn't say the law requires grace lets you do whatever you want. God just loves you. He'll forgive you no matter what, and I'll live a sloppy life. That's not what it says. Thank you. It says the law requires grace enables. You see, when Jesus died and, and, and rose from the dead, he left something for us. The counselor, he came to live inside of us through the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Grace is mercy, it is forgiveness, and nobody loves unconditionally like God, and there's nothing we could do to earn his love. There's nothing we can do to make him stop loving us, but we're selling his death and resurrection short if we don't think that God actually wants to change us and empower us and actually turn us into people who look like Jesus, who when we go out into the, into the world, the world looks at us and, and they see Jesus shining brightly. Grace also enables, it does forgive, it is full of mercy, but it also enables us to do whatever God's asking us to do. And then the last thing I would say about this, this thought or this argument of like, no, I'm, not, I'm under grace, the laws, I don't have to tithe, I'm not under the law anymore, is look, some things came through the cross. Some things died, like you and I don't have to slit a throat of a goat and, and ask God to have that blood atone for our sins like the Israelites had to do in the Old Testament, that part of the law. The rituals of, of cleansing, we don't have to do anymore. Jesus died for that. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. That's what Jesus did. But some things came through the cross, one of which is worship, right? Worshiping God. Jesus dies, he's resurrected from the grave. We still worship. As a matter of fact, for me, that elevates, that elevates the worship in my life. All right, next passage I would like us to take a quick look at is in Luke, Luke 16. It says, whoever can, this is, um, uh, let's see. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And it goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can you go back to the beginning of that passage, please, Jim? So it says here, was, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, in my world, in my walk, that is my tithe. It is not my money. That 10% does not belong to me. You know, an analogy, an analogy that came to me this week that really reinforced what I felt he's put on my heart over the years is my son Dominic recently had a birthday. And you know as kids get older, they don't ask for gifts anymore. What do they ask for? Money, right? So, you know, he got, he, he was very blessed and, on his birthday. And one of the grandparents wrote a personal check to him. It wasn't cash. So Dominic gives me the check. What does he want me to do with it? He wants me to go cash it, right? He wants the cash. So he gives me this check. It's in my possession. I had it for a couple days. I couldn't get to the bank. But it's in my possession. Does it belong to me? It doesn't belong to me. It's my job to take care of it. It's my job to steward it. It's my job to cash it and give it back to him. That's what he's expecting. And when I do that, I'm not even being generous. I'm just giving him his money. And that's what, what God tells us his tithe is. He's giving us something and then asking us to give part of it back to him. Why does he do that? We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
So then he goes on to say true riches. If we're unfaithful in little things or if we're unfaithful in worldly wealth, how will we be trusted with true riches? So what are true riches? Which, what is being referred to in the word of God here? Is they, are we talking about money? I doubt it. Because money have, really has no value. I mean, in our lives, we, we make it have value. Man does. But in regards to heaven, in regards to eternity, in regards to all the things of the spiritual realm, it has a zero value. So what is he referring to? What are true riches here? You know, I see this as um, breakthrough, wisdom, revelation, gifts of healing, power in my testimony, confidence that God's I am who he says he is, and that he is who he says he is. I mean, I think we would be foolish to think that we could buy these things with our tithe, because God can't be bought. He can't. But we would also be foolish, I think, to think that we can enter into everything he has for us if we're not being faithful in this matter. All right. Last passage I want to look at today is uh, it's in Malachi chapter 3. And it is the... Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's the only place I know in Scripture, and I don't know a whole lot of it, I'll be honest with you. I read it to get to know them. I don't read it to try and know it all, all the, all the words. And uh, so there are people who have studied a lot more than me who have said that this is the only place in Scripture where God says, what does he say? Test me in this. It's the only place, and I don't know if it's true, but I'm telling you, all the people who have studied the Word of God for years have said it's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me in this. I don't know. It's like you can't outgive God, right? I can't outgive God. I don't, I don't give to him because I want something in return. I give to him out of the response of his love in my life, and I just, I get to give. I want to give. And then, of course, because he's so full of love and he's just amazing, he just takes care of me. It's like I don't give because I'm expecting something in return. I give in response to how good he is, and then because he's so good, he just takes care of me. Test me in this. You know, and then uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Is that next? Yeah, it is. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. If you were not here on April 6th when Pastor Gale spoke about um, faith, man, I highly encourage you to check that out. I'm pretty sure all the messages are still on iTunes that you can listen to them again, or if you missed one, man, it was a powerful message, at least for me it was, where God spoke about this. It's like, blessed are those, Jesus said, blessed are those who have seen and believe, but even more blessed are those who don't see but believe, right? You know, I can remember a couple times, just a little bit more about our testimony, (laughs) excuse me, a couple times when we were, overly challenged in this. Um, for example, we, were, we weren't married very long, about a year, and we felt the Lord told us that Deanna was going to quit her job and she was going to stay home. <laughs> and I was a second or third year teacher making very little. And, um, and, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that's like a 60% cut in our pay, but we're like, you know what? We have complete peace. Lord, you're telling us this, so we're going to do it. How could it go wrong? If you're against us, who can be, or I'm sorry, if you're for us, who can be against us? Even if the math doesn't line up. And we're like, okay. 
It's all yours, God. I don't, it, the math isn't working out, but I trust you. So we did it. Obviously, you know, just our tithe as you do when things like that happen, when your income changes. And man, he just provided a way. That's who he is in his nature. Uh, but it wasn't easy. I mean, I was, I'm the one doing the bills. And that makes it sound like it's my money. That's not what I mean. It's ours. But I'm the one like, I'm looking at the numbers all the time, right? I'm the one seeing it. And, um, but we took that faith. And again, he provided, I can remember another, another praise for Jesus was, um, Many of you know I was a high school principal for 12 years, and I, f- I felt the Lord was giving me grace to go back to the classroom, to go back to teaching, and, which I was excited about because that's a lot more fun to me. And um, anyways, but, you know, we had to deal with the reality that that's like a 35% cut in pay, and, you know, the numbers just aren't lining up. They're not working. You know, and it's like I think sometimes we... We will, we will, and I'm putting me in this boat too. It's like sometimes we'll let God do a miracle with science. Like somebody gets a miracle healing and, you know, the medical, medical community can't explain it. We're like, well, that's just God. He's just amazing. He doesn't need a scientific reason. But it's like sometimes when there's math involved, we're like, oh, no. You know, it's black or red. There is, there is nothing else here. If it's not lining up, it's not lining up. Well, I got to tell you. Who invented math? God. There's no smarter mathematician than God. The smartest mathematician in the world has nothing on God. As a matter of fact, every grain of knowledge he has or she has, God gave them. He doesn't need things to line up to be who he says he is. He just can do it. They're like, no, he can't do it. I I did the math. It's not lining up. He doesn't need it to line up. He doesn't need science to explain why he heals. He doesn't need math to explain how he provides. Now, there will be times when he's going to ask us to make lifestyle changes, not to help him with the math because he doesn't need our help, but in those lifestyle changes, at least for us, we've found like there's been seasons where we've needed to sacrifice some things, and in that season, you know, the Lord met us there and changed us, and it was, it was, it was, a, um, it was sanctification. It was him making us more like him, but there's, there's faith involved. And I highly encourage you to check out the word that the Lord put on Gail for April 6th. It was, um, it was very powerful. All right, next point. Can I still go to heaven if I don't tithe? <clears throat> I believe the, the answer to that is absolutely. There is nothing we can do to earn God's love. There is nothing in our own strength that we can do to measure up. If you, sorry, get emotional. If you have not known God this way, or you've seen your sin clearly, and seen him take it on for you, man, pray for it, because it'll, it'll rock your world. Jesus is that good. There is nothing we can do at all to earn salvation, to get into heaven. Nothing, including our tithe. Our tithe has nothing to do with where we spend eternity. eternity, Zero. But once once we're there, once he's in our heart, I think that's asking the wrong question. You know, 
he didn't just die to get us into heaven. He died because he wanted to get heaven into us. If the entire reason we are on this earth is to know him personally through his son Jesus and then to make him known, which is the only reason we're here. And we don't have to believe that to make it true. It, it is true. Just like Jesus died for us. That's true whether we believe it or not. If that's the only reason we're here is to know him and to make him known, <coughs> then we would give him glory in that way. Okay, so there's nothing we can do to earn salvation, including our tithe. Our tithe has nothing to do with that. And I do encourage you today, if, if where I was getting emotional there about, about what Jesus does for us, man, if you've, never, um, if you've never made that decision in your heart, I'd love to help you today. There's lots of people here who would. Just I'm saying, man, I, I want to know this Jesus. Man, I'll pray for you. I'll get you in contact with someone who can um, continue to, to be his love in your life. If, if that's you here today, don't leave. Do not leave without talking to somebody. It is the most important day of your life, the day you're born and the day you find out why. And the, and the day why we're born is to worship God through his son Jesus and to make him known. So please, don't let today go by. Come talk to me. Come talk to Pat. I know he would. Mike. And Dave, anybody, just say, I want to know this Jesus. We'll pray with you. All right. All right, I'm going to invite worship team, if you can start making your way back up here. We have plenty of time. I have a couple more things that the Lord's put on my heart to share with you guys. First one is, um, why does God give us something? like our resources, and then ask us to give it back to him. I mean, if we, didn't know, if we didn't know him, it would almost seem like he's teasing us or something, like here's a lollipop, five-year-old, oh, nope, give that back to me type thing. That's not at all what he's doing. I mean, think about this. If the entire reason he created us, which he did, if the entire reason he created us was to know him and to make him known, and he wants all of our hearts not because he's insecure, but because he knows the real us better than we know us. He knows what he created us to be, and he's in the business of transforming us into that. Then he, he needs all of us, which includes our finances. I mean, it really does. Think about, think about how much that impact it has on our life, our resources. So how can I give all of me to him if there's this, this chunk that has all this of my attention, but I'm not, I'm not worshiping him with it. I'm saying, yeah, God, you can have everything but this because I need to, I need to have control over this because I just need to. Because math is math, and I, I need to have control. It totally makes sense. He's, a, he's brilliant. He's a genius. He knows exactly what we need to get to know him as provider. It is God's nature. He is a provider. He cannot change. It's who he is. Just like God is love. He cannot change. It is who he is. And anytime, um, anytime he reveals something to us about his nature, it is always, 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 always an invitation for us to get to know him that way. It is never about us being more theologically sound or knowing more about him. Never. Anytime he reveals something to us, it's because he is a real, he's a God of relationship. 
And he wants us to draw in and get to know him in that way. It's not about knowing about him. It's about knowing him personally. And it really makes complete sense. We might not like it, but if we think about it, it makes complete sense about why God would, um, why he would ask this of us. Because for us to be the light of the world, and I mean, let's face it. He went to heaven and left the future of the church in our hands, in the hands of the church. He's like, you go to the ends of the world. You be the light of the world. You are going to be my light in the world. You are going to be the love of Jesus. We are going to do that. How can, how can we do that if, if there's part of us that we're holding, we're holding back from him, right? All right, last point. There's a passage in Mark. I'm not going to read all of it, but go ahead and put that up there. This has really spoken to me heavily the last probably year. There's uh, Jesus and Simon and James and I think Peter. I think those three disciples, I don't know, I could be wrong. Three of them go up on a mountain with Jesus and they see him be transfigured. He, he turns into this dazzling white robe, brighter than any bleach could ever be. Elijah shows up. Moses shows up. The three disciples are like freaking out what they're seeing. And they're like, we're not even worthy. Should we like build a shelter for you? It's the whole transfiguration thing. And then those three, and Jesus tells them not to tell anybody, those three come down off the mountain and they see the other disciples of Jesus having an argument. Well, the disciples aren't having an argument. The Pharisees are arguing with them. And, there's, uh, and Jesus comes up and says, what are you guys arguing about? And the guy, and a man in the crowd basically says, I brought them my son. My son's foaming at the mouth. He's, he's seizure. He has a, a spirit that won't let him speak. He Sometimes the spirit throws him into the fire, attempting to kill him. Sometimes the spirit throws him into the water, attempting to kill him. And I, this is where this passage kind of picks up. It says, the dad is speaking, and the dad said, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. And this is the dad speaking. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed. He exclaimed, I do believe. Help me with my disbelief or help me with my unbelief. This guy is me. I so relate to this father. And I think, man, I I can't be alone. It's like, I believe, Jesus. I believe I just need more faith. I believe the body. You know my heart, God. You know how much I love you. You know I trust you beyond anything else, but sometimes the experiences of life are louder, and I'm basing my faith on what I see instead of on what you say. God, give me faith. I need, I need faith. My flesh is weak, but you are strong, and I'm strong in your weakness. Does anybody else relate to this, Father? It's like that is my heart cry all the time. It's like, I believe, but Jesus, give me more faith. Give me more faith, whether it's for the math of our finances, whether it's for a loved one coming to know the Lord, whether it's for a career decision or your children or whatever. How many of us need more faith? Come on, anybody? Thank you. I mean, come on. That's what he's all about is giving us more faith. And uh, this song um, has really been ministering to me over the last few weeks. It's about giving us more faith. And I was so excited when I saw the Lord put it on on the worship list for today. I'm just going to, as we close, you know, just give you an opportunity. If, if that is your heart's cry, it doesn't have to be finances. It could be anything. If you want more faith and your cry is, Jesus, I know what's true and I believe it. And I believe what you say is true. But God, help me. Give me more faith. I don't want my emotions to rule my belief system. I want you to rule my belief system. And I know, God, 
when you when I accepted you into my heart I became a new creation the old man died and there's a new man that's here and now you are in the process God of sanctifying me and, and changing that 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 into my experience what happened immediately now you're, you're in the process of sanctifying me and turning me into who you say I really am so that I can just go out and shine your love to the world so they can come to know you. And if, if you're tracking with me today, I just invite you to respond. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down just because I, like, I, I just like to have room sometimes to worship him. Um, sometimes I like to kneel. It's hard to do that in the pew. You don't have to come up. Jesus will meet you right where you're at. If you want to come, I say come, man. Let's stand in unity and just, we don't even have to say anything to each other. Because what we're saying is, God, we're in this together. We want more faith. We want more of you in our lives. We want to give you all of us. We we don't want to doubt. We don't want our flesh, our weakness to rule our emotions, God. We want the truth from the word of your word to rule our emotions. So I just invite you to do that as we close. And I just thank you guys for hearing me today. I appreciate that. I was just trying to share, share my journey on this topic, which can be, which can be tough. Father God, you are the provider. You are exactly who you say you are. You don't change ever, 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 ever. We're the ones who change. And we just cry out today, God, we want more faith. We're like the dad who had this boy who Jesus did heal, by the way, who you did heal, Jesus. And we cry out, we're exclaiming, we're exclaiming, God, I believe, I just want more belief. Help me with my unbelief. Give me faith, give me faith. My flesh is weak, but in my weakness, you are strong, Father. Come and make that a reality in my life. Because everything else I turn to is just a counterfeit. You are the only thing that's good. You're the only thing that's pure. You're the the only thing. You're the only thing that brings life. Life to the full. So we just ask, Holy Spirit, just come in His church with us. In Jesus' name.